Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Canada's Environment Commissioner warns that the 2030 emissions target may not be achievable. It's very disturbing because we see this continual pattern with the Liberal government of making huge promises on dealing with the climate crisis and then completely failing. Uh, as the Commissioner points out, this government has missed every single promise they've made on the environment. We continue to be the ultimate outlier in the G7. The Prime Minister says the opposition needs to move on from his family vacation at the Aga Khan's private island. This matter was closed years ago. Uh, Conservatives seem to have trouble understanding that in a democratic country like Canada, neither opposition parties nor a government can direct the police to do or to not do whatever they want. We have a strong uh, independent process in Canada and we trust that. And Elon Musk's plans for Twitter could face challenges from governments around the world. Obviously the digital charter and other things that uh, we're putting will we'll, uh, hopefully address some of, of these concerns because we've seen how these social media platforms could be used uh, and have been used and even in the war in Ukraine now we're seeing how these how 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 important a role they play in either informing or disinforming people. It's Wednesday April 27th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by longtime political writer and broadcaster Dan Legere. Good morning, Dan. Hi, Mark. So Canada's Environment Commissioner is warning that the emissions targets that Canada has set for 2030 may not be achievable. And uh, this is, I find this really interesting from a couple of perspectives. First of all, it underscores once again how hard it is to mobilize people's attention towards even something that urgent and that much of a priority that is still so far in the distance in political terms that it seems like a long way off, even though 2030 really is just around the corner. Um, And even with a liberal government that talks a lot about the environment and about climate change, we still might not hit those targets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is extraordinary because the Liberals have uh, hung their hat on the environment and climate change as really key pillars of their entire proposition to Canadians and to voters. Um, you know, it, everything they do carries a reference to the need to take you know, steps to address climate change, greenhouse gas emissions, and the like. And yet... Um, it's so hard to make progress on it. I mean, uh, you know, it's fair to say, Mark, that a large number of Canadians, and they're represented by the second largest party in the country, or maybe the largest party in the country, if you look at membership numbers, um, you know, a lot of people do not consider climate change to be an urgent problem. Uh, The Conservative Party does not consider it to be an urgent problem. Uh, It still has a tremendous influence on the public discourse around the environment. And, um, you know, I'm not surprised in a way that the government has to haul everything along, kicking and screaming, although I don't think it's showing much evidence, given this report, uh, that it is hauling us kicking and screaming. It's more or less nudging gently along and hoping for the best, which is not going to work to reduce emissions longer term, that's for sure. Yeah. 
All right, let's turn to other issues. And the, the opposition continues to ask a lot of questions about the prime minister's family vacation going back to six, seven years now uh, at the Aga Khan's private island in the Caribbean. Uh, there, there was news this week, of course, that the RCMP had considered charging the prime minister, uh, but the prime minister says... The opposition needs to move on. Uh, I'm sure Justin Trudeau isn't happy about this story surfacing again, but how relevant is it uh, with the latest news? Well, I don't think it's relevant. I mean, it's another reminder, a six-year-old reminder of uh, Mr. Trudeau's gaps in responsible judgment. Um, You know, it just seems to me that a, a, a grade 12 political science student could have seen the conflict that arose from this invitation to go jetting off to a private island uh, with a billionaire, no matter how benevolent the person is, and that it was just plain wrong. And, I mean, when they were getting on the helicopter or getting on the plane or strolling on the beach, did it not appear like there was something weird and wrong about doing that? Evidently not. And, you know, the Prime Minister has made multiple bad judgment calls in terms of his own behavior and his own uh, uh, and, and risked his own reputation in the in the process. But I mean, this is six years on. Um, you know, it's great for the conservatives. They like to portray Trudeau as being, you know, uh, a bozo and an idiot and all this sort of stuff. And it's one day a uh, bit of ammunition, uh, you know, for Candace Bergen. But I don't see Canadian. I mean, this is old. Everyone knows all about it. Nothing happened. Uh, and I doubt any Canadian prime minister would ever do anything so stunned again. Yeah. And there have been two elections since this story first yeah. broke, right? So, exactly. Um, all right. Uh, let's talk about the future of social media. Uh, Elon Musk is, is buying Twitter, as everybody knows. Anybody who's been on that platform this week will be aware of the discussion that has surfaced as a result of that around freedom of speech and, and control of new media and... Um, and there are questions, you know, this is this is kind of renewed the conversation around the extent to which governments should regulate social media. Um, what do you think? And there were there were questions being asked in Canada of that yesterday. Uh, what do you think about what the Canadian government and other governments around the world should do about the ownership of social media and the the rules or lack of rules in some cases about what is shared on those platforms? Right. Well, it's a complex matter, and there's a couple of threads in this, Mark. I mean, one of them is um, is just the fact that uh, super billionaires are able to buy and control and do whatever they want to just about anything in the economy. There are There is a plane of these hyper-billionaire, hyper-rich people who operate on a different level of utter uh, sort of lack of accountability to the rest of us, and people, I think, are really getting uncomfortable with that. And eventually, uh, people will vote, I think, to uh, rein in some of these, um, you know, hyper-billionaire people who just figure they can buy and do whatever they want, and no one has the power to stand up to them, because that's what the situation is now. In terms of Twitter itself, um, you know, Mr. Musk claims to be uh, a free speech absolutist, well, does that mean he's going to yell fire in a crowded theater? Or, and does he start kind of throwing around uh, racial epithets at people? And is everyone on Twitter suddenly going to be able to talk like Donald Trump? 
um, you know, I, I just don't think people will stay and stay engaged in that. I mean, the, the people who really enjoy ganging up on vulnerable users of Twitter or beating up on, on people they disagree with um, and mobbing others, doxing and all this sort of stuff, you know, they'll be they'll be thrilled to have an ally like this bizarre man named Musk uh, running things. But uh, I think the vast majority of people who are only there to share news stories and comment on things and, and to have a bit of debate here and there with uh, with mostly like-minded people, uh, I don't see a lot of them hanging around just to see it become a complete cesspool worse than it is now. So, uh, and as you say, Canada and many other countries, I mean, not, uh, you know, just Canada, India, uh, Japan, uh, European countries are also looking at installing guardrails um, on social media that would reduce the incidence of racism and abuse, uh, bullying and this sort of thing. And I think those types of measures will have broad support in, in free countries because uh, we should be free from being bullied and doxxed uh, just for having a benign membership on a social media platform. So, uh, you know, Musk is going around throwing money around. I, I see yesterday his own share of the world's wealth went down by quite a few billion because uh, investors who are going to have some say in this uh, matter uh, aren't too impressed with what he's doing. So, uh, you know, money talks, and uh, this could be a case case where money will have the real free speech in the question and not (laughs) Elon Musk. Right. All right. Finally, Dan, kind of an interesting uh, sequence of events this week. There's a parliamentary committee, of course, that is investigating the government's use of the Emergencies Act during the protests uh, earlier this year in downtown Ottawa. And while that's going on, there there's another similar protest uh, that's being planned for this Friday in Ottawa, where we're expecting hundreds of motorcycles to uh, be driven through the core, and there's already discussion around where they'll be allowed to go and, and so on. But um, it, it, we're, we're sort of into kind of round two of this at the, as we're still examining round one. Yeah, and, you know, this type of behavior has so little support in the public that I don't see it prospering as a mode of uh, protest. Um, you know, Ottawa is on red alert now. The acting police chief has already said, you know, you can drive around and have your little protest, but there will be no blockades. You know, they're not going to be pooping on the street or, you know, having open fires or blasting noise all night long at people. Uh, they had their little uh, fun in February, and uh, this is over. And there are people sitting in jails right now pondering the wisdom of uh, blockading and trying to overturn the workings of a democratically elected government. So uh, I I think a lot of people in Ottawa, I'm safely far away from it, but a lot of people in Ottawa, I'm sure, are just waiting to see the police show up and make sure that this protest, um, you know, they couldn't even think up their own name. They came up with Rolling Thunder, which is not a Bob Dylan tour after all. It's another thing. And, you know, they're they're going to... Uh, drive around and, and have their fun and go home, hopefully. 
because that's what protest is uh, is supposed to be, and not blockades and occupations. So uh, if the government has been called to task on its use of the Emergencies Act, so be it. There's a democratic process to deal with that, Mark. Uh, and it's not a democratic process to just occupy cities and try to impose your will. So uh, let that play out. The government, we all have a vote on what the government did on the Emergencies Act, and I suspect they have a lot more support than opposition out there amongst the public. All right, Dan, thank you for sharing your thoughts on all of this today. Hey, Mark. That's longtime political writer and broadcaster, Dan Legere. The judge will have broad access, including to classified documents. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Toronto Star considers the key question that must be asked in the Emergencies Act inquiry. The Star writes... The issue is not whether the protests and blockades created a crisis or even an emergency. It's whether the government was correct in its judgment that other, less extreme laws, including the policing powers available to all levels of government, were inadequate to deal with it. If that test is not met, then invoking the Emergencies Act was not justified. Ultimately, that's the key question that must be answered. If it's done right, the review can go a long way towards shedding light on the convoy protests, both what went on among the protesters and whether the government's response was both effective and legal. In the National Observer, Max Fawcett argues Elon Musk's Twitter takeover makes a case for social media regulation. Fawcett writes, In his opening salvo of his campaign to take over Twitter, Elon Musk described it as the public square of democracy, one that should be free of censorship or constraints. He's not completely wrong about that, but his attitude towards free speech and the degree to which it might empower the worst actors in society is a reminder that social media companies should never have been left to govern themselves. Now, more than ever, they cry out for proper regulation. That's a fight elected officials must be willing to wage and win. In the Hamilton Spectator, Yannick Baudouin and Mark Anielski argue selling our public debt to private markets will make inflation worse. They write, instead of winding down the debt and paying it back to itself, Canada is about to let its bank sell the debt to private markets. Such a large-scale influx of new debt-based money into the economy will increase inflationary pressures while benefiting institutional investment firms, private banks, and the wealthy one percenters. And when public debt is sold and traded into private hands, those hands demand interest payments, which will fall on taxpayers. This selling to private markets is unnecessary, not legally required, and certain to have a negative impact on broader quality of life and well-being. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will attend the Liberal Caucus meeting and question period. He will then attend a reception hosted by Canada's Building Trades Unions and deliver remarks. The Deputy Prime Minister, Christia Freeland, will attend the funeral of the former United States Secretary of State Madeleine Albright in Washington. Conservative members of the Special Joint Committee on the Declaration of Emergency will question Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino and Justice Minister David Lametti. Labour Minister Seamus O'Regan will speak at the Canada's Building Trades Union's annual conference in Ottawa. And Natural Resources Minister Jonathan Wilkinson will make an announcement to support deep energy retrofits for buildings in Toronto. 
And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, April 27th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC. For coverage of all the day's events, our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.